cannot play God, then wash your hands of the things that you've created. Sooner or later, the day comes when you can't hide from the things that you've done anymore. Hi, I'm Melia. I'm a writer and an editor, and I have a background in film production. And I'm Lisa. I have a background in identity studies, international relations, and psychology. I'm also a whiskey enthusiast, but today I'm drinking a beer um, for beers and beats and Battlestar Galactica. Woo! This is our first episode, so bear with us as we fuck things up. Um, but as, as sci-fi fans, we decided to start this podcast to revisit sci-fi pop cultural properties because we love nerding out on things together and talking about it, and we thought you might like to as well. I believe this did start with us having a conversation, <laughs> being Twilight. like, everybody should probably listen to us talk because we're really interesting. <laughs> um, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that note, do you want to begin? Yeah. So we're going to, um, this is like a uh, episode by episode podcast. So every week we are going to watch a new episode of Battlestar Galactica. And by new, I mean, yes, it did start broadcasting in 2003. Um, I have watched the show through, um, including the miniseries, um, webisodes, and standalone movies. Not afraid to admit that. <laughs> While Lisa is new to the show. Um, so every episode we will do a recap, a beat-by-beat beat recap, if you will. Um, we'll talk about any unanswered questions or theories you may have. And then we'll talk about the larger discussions. What is really interesting, what we think about the, um, the stories, the characters, and... From a broader perspective, what what makes us tick? Awesome. Should we get started? I believe we should. All right. I've got my beer. So, miniseries. This is the first... This is your first experience with Battlestar Galactica. What did you think? Oh, I was so happy. I kind of... <laughs> I was a little bit concerned when I, um, when I agreed to this, not having ever have seen an episode before and just being really scared that I would hate it. Um, but no, I really loved it and was just disappointed that it hadn't been in my life earlier. Um, but also really excited because I know that people who are fans probably would love to watch it again for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that was definitely my experience. <laughs> I was a little bit, um, it was a little bit nerve wracking because it's like when you recommend things to people that you really love, you're like, oh, was it actually that good? is it actually crap and I didn't know? And then like I had all this anxiety after recommending it to you because I was like, oh, the special effects weren't that good like in like for now. Um, so I almost like procrastinated watching the miniseries because I would have to like reckon with if it was still as good. And look, the miniseries is not as good as the TV show. It actually it's is very not. very promising. <laughs> There's so much time spent on Caprica and detailing every character, particularly Gaius and Six. Um, compared to like the action-centric pace of the TV show. But I'm excited and I'm really like, I'm, I'm keen to see where it's going to go re-watching it, even though like I know where it's going to go. Watching it with that intel is um, a really fun way to re-watch it. So should we talk through what happened in the episode? Absolutely. If you can lead us through the beat sure. by beat, that would be great. Yeah, I'll talk through it. And then maybe if you have any questions as we go through... You just stop me and tell me. So the first, um, the miniseries is split into two, two episodes called Night One and Night Two. Um, it basically takes place as the Cylons take over um, the human race and their their um, colony or the twelve colonies, and it begins with this kind of um, hammy, I would say, um, introduction where there's like this text that goes over the screen saying the silence were created by man. They were created to make life easier on the 12 colonies, <coughs> AI. And then <laughs> a day came when the silence decided to kill their masters. And after a long bloody battle, an armistice was declared. So that kind of neatly does this like, all right, there's some, you know, baddies, they're robots. We fought them. We won. There was an armistice. Um, and we have this, as humans, we have this kind of um, battle station, I guess, where, well, it's not really a station, but a space where we send an, an envoy and um, he just goes to see if anyone's going to show up from the Cylons to kind of check in. Um, and after this 40-year armistice um, in the war between um, the, the 12 colonies, this guy who's there for his, like, yearly check-in looking at a picture of his like kid and you know he's just doing his thing and then the doors open and like oh, there's like a Cylon there and they're robot Cylons in all their 2003 um, glory animated glory so they show up they're robots whatever and then this like beautiful woman shows up 
and she comes up to him and and talks to him kind of hits on him um you know gets on the table it's super suggestive yeah very um, <laughs> very intriguing um i had a question i was way too scared to look up any facts on the internet for yes. fear of spoilers um is this picking up from um from after the 70s series like is that what the 70s series was about or is it no in the 70s series is the same thing as like a catastrophic like the cylons like they've already so been created and then they like okay. rise up and like you know kill like so it's it a remake but as it's opposed a re- to following yeah. on it's okay. like they always refer to it as like a reimagining okay. which i guess is just the fancy way of saying a remake yeah um but interesting trivia, there's like a, the picture of the little kid that the guy um, at the station has on his desk is um, a character called Boxy who was in the original TV show for like the whole time and the producers did not want in the reimagined show um, but one of the showrunners was like, no, I think he's a really great character so they like throw in little references <laughs> to him throughout the show. Um, anyway, this like, you know, beautiful human woman shows up and is like, asking weird questions to the guy like are you real and then um makes out with him blows it up um and from there we basically see um the most of the 12 colonies wiped out um as we meet all the main characters so most of our main characters are either um part of the fleet um or the i guess the crew um of battlestar galactica which is a space battleship that fought in the earlier war and is now being converted to a museum, or their civilians um, who are living on Caprica. So um, Guy, Dr. Gaius Volta, who um, is the character that you know was seduced by this Cylon and then we learn pretty much you know doomed humankind. Um, the president, or not the president at that point, but... <laughs> The um, Just a- forty, the education secretary at that time, Dr. Laura Roslin, um, and a couple of other characters. So we might just go through who we meet in the first um, little while. So there was the, f- the main kind of characters that we meet in the miniseries, and I will stress that the miniseries spends a lot of time making sure you know who all these people are, which is great world building, but on a rewatch, it is like pretty boring. <laughs> um, Especially the first one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, there's Admiral Adama, um, who's a well-awarded war hero from the previous Silent War. And he's basically about to retire. He's getting the ship, you know, all, all good to go, all ready to become a museum um, when the Silons launch their attack on Caprica. And the reason that his battle star is the only battle star that is able to function is because um, he's kind of like a technophobe and didn't want any of the technology installed um, that would modernize modernize the spaceship. Um, and that technology is what allows the Cylons to infiltrate the systems. So that's why the battle star. If I don't know, did you get that from the show? Did that actually? Yeah, make absolutely. Sense? It, yeah. Um, it it made a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Cool. So yes, there's a Dharma. Yeah. yeah, there's a Dharma. He's an old school guy. He's kind of gruff. He's got a really pockmarked face, but he kind of is really lovable, mm. um, I feel like, from the outset. <laughs> um, there's Dr. Gaius Bolter, who starts out as like the smartest human scientist, yet is still seduced by like a hot blonde. Yeah. <laughs> and not just her, just yeah. a general yeah, womanizer. Yeah, exactly. Great guy. Great he's guy. A, he's a stand up guy. And I think from the beginning, the show has no qualms about showing that he's like. You know, questionable a bit crappy. yeah yep um so then the person or cylon who seduces him um is you know it's cylon in human form or who has like a humanoid humanoid form um and she's referred to as number six which we'll come back to yeah she's a ridiculous looking human like From i could model. totally believe that <laughs> she was a cylon because <laughs> like she just doesn't even look real it's crazy yeah yeah, Trisha Helfer, who is the actress who plays number six, I think is like probably the most underrated actress in Battlestar. Yeah, it makes me it makes me think about that. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, he- uh, Helen Mirren? No. Yes, <laughs> the interview um, where he's like, "Oh, does it?" Um, oh, it's a kind of a ramble. Um, 
talking about her attributes and whether or not she thinks that it makes uh, her less of a serious actress. Mm. Uh, and she's like, because well, I have good bosoms, like, do you think it limits me as an actress? Um, and I, it just made me think of that. Yes. Um, I think often people who are attractive maybe get uh, pigeonholed as people who are just there for that reason. But yeah. No, I totally agree. Apparently when mm. she was cast, the network really didn't want her to be um, cast in the role. They were really sceptical about her ability because she was a model and a Victoria's Secret model at mm. that. They were like, oh, don't know about this. But in the end, like by the end of the first season, they were so impressed with her performance that they ended up making her the focus of all the marketing campaign. Yeah, which she's I think um, is pretty. Yeah, it's you know. crazy. She's super intriguing and just like very, very creepy. Um, like that scene with the baby, it's like she is just so perfect because you can tell something's not right. And I guess we already know that she's uh, probably, you know, not human. Mm. But. Um, you know, this way she looks at the child and sort of says the right things that sort of sound like it a could human. be a human thing. Yeah. But like when you, you watch the way she says it, it's so obvious that it's not human. And the fact that she bothers, you know, killing this kid when she knows yeah, what that there's going to be a bomb. About her killing the kid. Like what did what did you draw from that? I, I don't like it was just such a random um a random thing to do. Um like I don't know if I mean obviously she's causing the family extra pain Mm. um, than what they're already going to face. It seemed a bit redundant after watching sort of the whole Caprica end. Whether she was trying to give it a more humane death, I don't know. See, that's what I thought. Mm. I don't know if I necessarily thought it the first time, but when I was watching it back, I was like, I feel like she is breaking that kid's neck because otherwise that kid is going to die in like a horrific like bomb Mm. you know nuclear explosion or whatever and maybe without thinking about the pain that's going to cause the parents in the interim that they've lost their child but it was just an interesting it just was like uh when when everything kind of exploded i was like why did she do that (laughs) yeah um you know these poor parents so quick yeah yeah um and just like walks off yeah it's really it's a really creepy creepy moment she does it so well yeah she's She's great. Mm. So we know her and um, Gaius are like having an affair. You know, they have this jokey conversation about how like uh, he's been helping her get like the inside intel to get this defense contract. And she's like, ha ha, yes. Oh, that's that's great. But then she's kind of like, you you and I both know that's not what I'm doing. Um, and I think that's when we start to, well, throughout the, that ep- this first episode, we start to see those moments when Gaius is faced with the reality that he is culpable but he's kind of like hand wavy, like, oh, ha ha, no, it's not like that, you know? Um, and almost in, it's interesting, I feel from the outset, the show is setting up n- number six as actually being a more um, moral character than Gaius, even though they're both villains, so to speak. Mm. She kind of challenges him on things and he's kind of like, la la la, like it's not a thing, even though she's like trying to make him yeah, I think what was really interesting is the way that um, she kept referring to God. And mm-hmm. then I think it was in the second episode and she said something to Gaius like God is love. Mm-hmm. And it sort of made me feel like almost like humans were God in a weird way. And like it was just a really interesting thing that they added that in there. And I'm sure that's going to come out in the works like in the series oh yeah <laughs> um but i just found that really interesting it's like mm-hmm. this moral idea of god that she had um i kind of loved it when she walked in on him with someone else and was just like get out and like just that was just such an and awesome... the way the girl's like oh, oh so annoyed like i I've know got no clothes absolutely like, and he was just did this little bye and yeah, i was like so you weak pathetic man like yeah. oh i'm screwed up i'm flawed there's a flaw in my character yes, it's I like, the hardest thing I and she's just like show, shut up yes and i love how the show like immediately is like no yeah you're a shit person absolutely like, they make him very weak yeah. from the outset yeah even like i don't think the show really um they let you empathize with him in the sense of when someone's fucked up and you're kind of like oh i'm sorry that you've had like a rough run or whatever. Oh, I but didn't feel sorry the, for him yeah. at any point at all. <laughs> like there was never a moment. And I just thought, um, uh, like, you know, this whole thing uh, she said about, you know, the, the fate of the entire world is in the balance. And all you're thinking about is how it affects you. Like you're calling your lawyer and there's no point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this idea that he has an amazing capacity for self-deception. Um, and um, as I think I said to you before, like, the, that made me think about um, 
uh, Robert Oppenheimer, who was chosen for the Manhattan Project. And the reason he was chosen was because, you know, he tried to poison his professor before and he sort of had this way of just making the world work for him. And it really, yeah, reminded me of that. Yeah, it's like people who are like, they're not necessarily um, a convicted sociopath, but they're definitely on they've got a lack of morals and a lack of empathy that is exploited, able to be exploited in the right circumstances. Absolutely, like, just they care about themselves and that's yeah. it. And so, yeah. like, you know, humankind's going to end and he's going to be the one that goes down in history and that's what he's worried about, not mm-hmm. the fact that innocent people are going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, didn't feel sorry for him at any point <laughs> at all. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, while we're still on Caprica, before it all goes to, you know, smithereens, mm. um, the other character that we're introduced to is, yeah, Laura Roslin, mm-hmm. who's the education minister. Mm. Um, the first time we see her, she's basically getting told she's got cancer. Mm. Um, it's kind of like a little scene that you're like well I don't know how you felt but I was like oh that was like just a short scene for nothing yeah absolutely um it was really interesting I think um I don't know we're kind of jumping around but I thought that was interesting because I think we see her as a very um I guess empathetic character in the way that she approaches things but it's interesting that later on in the second episode that she says the world is ending and all I can think about is the fact that I'm going to die from cancer Mm -hmm. um Uh, which I really liked because I think that um, some TV series have a tendency to make people like all good, all bad. And she was very obviously like, you know, this very, you know, mixed uh, Mm. person who, you know, couldn't stop obsessing about her fate, but recognized that it was not the right thing. um, Do you think that's why like you like a character like Roslyn more than you like a character like Gaius though? Because they're both thinking about themselves in a situation where maybe on paper they shouldn't be but Rosalind is able to be like articulate how she's feeling and why that's wrong inverted commas whereas Mm. Gaius doesn't believe there's anything wrong with that he's just looking out for number one yeah I don't know I guess that um we don't really understand that that's all she's thinking about until Mm. later on um Mm -hmm. obviously you don't know what's going on in in her mind um but then I think it's interesting that the response to that was well I just wanted to let you know that that little girl was on one of the planes that can't uh ships that can't jump Mm -hmm. and then she goes off and thinks about that and um yeah it was just interesting that he felt her aide whatever his Mm -hmm. name is felt a need to tell her that yeah um, right after she'd said yeah I know (laughs) like I'm dying of cancer he's like yeah that little girl you made friends with before yeah she's actually also going to die sorry like it was just a really weird timing but yeah I didn't really think about it um I I mean past the fact that both of them are obviously thinking about themselves but um it wasn't evident that she was thinking about herself until that point yeah Yeah, that's Um, the difference yeah absolutely cool who's next on our list of characters those are all the people on Caprica before Mm -hmm. it kind of blows up yeah um on the Battlestar Galactica as we mentioned um being led by Adama the Battlestar um, is, you know, about to be decommissioned and made it into a museum. So everyone on there is kind of prepping for it to become defunct um, to various levels of interest. So other than Adama, we meet his second-hand man, um, his exo Colonel Sultai, who's essentially an asshole. Yeah, um, I really hated him. <laughs> he's a, a hard ass, hard ass, right man. Um, he's totally committed to, you know, his job, but he's also I think it's suggested that he's an alcoholic mm. doing the old, Very you know, yeah. mug, mug drink. Mm. Um, he obviously has no rapport with his inferiors, particularly with Starbuck. Absolutely. Um, Throwing over the table was yeah. very, very... Super unprofessional. Really on crazy reaction to losing a game as well. Yeah. Um, as smug as she may have been. Yes. Um, <laughs> he definitely overreacted. No, I did not like him at all, but I think that um, is definitely... Yeah, you could tell he had a very good um, relationship with uh, Adama, though, and mm-hmm. I, I really liked um, when he sort of was like, you know, having a go at Starbuck, and Adama's like, well, let's be real. Like, she's better, you know, flyer than me or you, and, um, and you know, you turned over the table first, and I kind of liked that dynamic yeah. um, and that he had respect for sort of that, and, yeah. I feel um, like that sets up that Adama we trust Adama mm. and he's like our weather vane for how other characters are. So yeah. even though Ty is like, yeah, an asshole, mm. um, the fact that Adama trusts him and respects him and yeah. like he kind of says to him in that exchange, you know, you should, I'm not telling you what to do, mm. but you should kind of do this. Yeah, It makes us, or it made me anyway, I was like, 
you know, I don't like him, but I respect him and he must be a good guy because Adama thinks he is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, he also had his back um, when he made that call mm-hmm. um, that Tyrrell was, mm-hmm. um, you know, had a go at him about and started mm-hmm. insulting him, whatever name he used. And he was like, well, no, I would have made the same call. So he yeah. really had his back in that situation. And mm. yeah. Hmm. Cool. And of course, the person we were just talking about who... Um, you know, has a bit of beef mm. with Ty is um, Cara Starbuck Thrace. Mm-hmm. So we'll refer to most people throughout the podcast. Um, if they've got a call sign, we'll refer to their call sign. That's what the show usually does. So we'll stick with that cadence. So Starbuck is, um, she's pretty much set up as the fleet's most skilled pilot, um, but has a problematic personality for the other people she works with. You mm. know, she's bold, she's bawdy, she's... Um, you know, probably got some anger management issues or at least some issues with, um, uh, you know, authority figures. Mm. Um, but she oozes character, oozes competence. And I like that even though she's kind of an arsehole as well, mm. we know, we trust that she's like the goods. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of loved her from the beginning. <laughs> and I have, a, I have a, a really close friend who loves Starbuck and has dressed up as her twice and I had no idea what it was. And so I think maybe I was predisposed to love her. Um, I think the other thing I loved, uh, it's a really random comment, but I think a lot of times when they have women in these kind of roles in TV shows, they're like still these really petite, tiny women and, you know, but she's really like strong and, mm. and the same with, um, with Boomer, mm-hmm. they're both like muscly and like, like yeah. rocking it. Like you could imagine that they would be part of this like military kind of yeah, thing. They're you know, military she's running, figures. Yeah. She's doing push-ups. It's not this tiny little, you know, much as I love Buffy, like it's not this tiny little girl who's in this military role role as someone who looks like they're actually in the military um which i loved that it was just like real looking kind of yeah. women yeah that's I, just my little no i totally agree mm. I, what i love about starbuck is like that she doesn't fit the cool girl persona that often as you've you know mentioned like it's like oh i'm just as tough as all the boys but i just like look really hot and mm. like i'm just like doing this so easily like she works out yeah and she's like yeah she's very much a tomboy but like i don't see her as being this like her femininity is not explored in a way that like often the cool girl trope is kind mm, of laid absolutely on yeah it's just like she's there she's one of them it doesn't really i don't know i mean i obviously haven't watched a whole series but it's not really even addressed that she's a woman mm. um which i like i always like it when women just are there and people don't really call attention to Mm -hmm. wow she's the best female pilot it's like she's She's better than us yeah Yeah. absolutely and i really love that um and even in the like exchange between ty and um adama at no point is like even ty like but she's a woman like it's not they both respect her her ability yeah um even if ty like doesn't like her yeah do you did you know that starbuck was a man in the original series i know because i just read it on the notes you gave to me but that's (laughs) very cool i'm i'm very excited about it yeah so both (laughs) Both Starbuck and Boomer were originally played by, uh, were male in the show because it it was like a dude ranch because it was the 70s. Yeah, of course. Um, And interestingly, and kind of like, like not annoyingly, but it's funny. The the guy who played Starbuck in the original series, like hated, 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 hated the fact that it was like the role was recast as a woman. And he made like, he wrote this full on essay where he's like, this is a travesty. Women are like demasculating everyone. And this is like, it just, it was like, like just so funny. Like it was, um, yeah, it was very boohoo. You know, I'm a like middle-aged white man. Who's it's made pretty hard. There's not a lot of representation you know, of y'all don't know on, what on it's TV like. and film. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have many role models. That's a problem. No, no one, yeah. no one. Mm. So um, he was really angry about that. And he has had no involvement with the reimagined series. Um, and it, when it was first announced, it caused like a lot of hoo ha that like then recast Starbuck as mm. a woman. Um, but interestingly, like I, I don't know if it was because I didn't watch the show in two thousand and three and didn't follow if there was this kind of activity, but I don't feel like there was that same um, outcry for Boomer being recast. Mm. And I don't know if that was because Boomer was a slightly smaller character or because the original actor was African American or oh yeah, I don't different know. kind of diversity, different, different diversity. Mm. <laughs> but um, it was just interesting, like the outcry. Particularly from that actor Mm. over Starbuck um, versus Boomer. Mm. Speaking of Boomer, um, Boomer, who I said to you, I love. Mm -hmm. Um, So Boomer is um, Shannon Valeri, who's a Galactica Raptor pilot. Mm -hmm. Um, And we see her, um, she's kind of introduced 
I found this really annoying, to be honest. Um, the way that she's introduced is like, yep, cool, awesome pilot, clearly very competent. Mm. But then she goes and makes out with Tyrrell. And yeah. it's like, oh, but she's got a wild side kind of, you know, she's she's a love interest as well. The way it well. was done like, and was not even in, like, obviously you find, like, when they see each other later and there's that real, like, reunion. like you know, they're really happy hmm. to see each and other and that they're all alive. That trauma, and, so it's like, yeah, <laughs> and there's a real obvious, like, they're dating, whereas it kind of looked yeah. like... It felt really, like... I don't know, hokey. Yeah, it didn't... Like, you could tell what was happening as soon as they were walking through the door, but that kind of, like, angry, like, I'm an awesome pilot and I'm just going to, like, have sex and whatever thing. I didn't really love it. I didn't love it either. Um, And then, yeah, and obviously she was with... um, uh, Tyrrell. Yes, yes. So Tyrrell is, like, the senior Galactica non-commissioned officer, which basically means he's, like, you know, one of the... he's, He's on the leadership team, but he's he's one of the engineers mm-hmm. and he's got his like team of um, guys and gals that are working on board the Galactica and at the start of the uh, first miniseries episode he's pretty much just like prepping everything to be you know sent to the museum and he kind of has this nice speech to Adama where he's like thank you so much it's been such an honour working with you um, and then of course when shit hits the fan and the Cylons blow up everyone he has to quickly work with his team to get the um, the old Viper um, planes on online and ready to be able to be piloted instead mm. um, and to obviously get the ship ready to you know work properly and be back in functioning capacity so Tyrrell isn't like a main main character but he um you know he's one of those kind of people you should know on yeah. the Battlestar Galactica I didn't like he I very nothing him yeah he's a nothing <laughs> he's kind of like a nothing um, I feel horrible to character. say it yeah Absolutely. Definitely at that point. Um, mm. And then there's also, so um, the way that the pilots work is that they have like a, um, they have a Raptor pilot and then they have like an officer who goes with the pilot and, you know, works in the um, the different uh, Raptors with them. And so um, Lieutenant Carl Hilo Agathon is Boomer's um, officer. So he's like her co-pilot. Yeah. Um, and he... He starts off the series as just, you know, bantering with Boomer. He's introduced as, like, one of the other um, people on on the um, Battlestar Galactica. Um, but by the end of the miniseries, we see him having to um, stay behind on Occupied Caprica, which yeah. is an interesting move for him, which we will talk about. Yeah, and I was excited because he's <laughs> played by, um, what is it, Ta- Tamo Pennicut, um, who is from Dollhouse, which I also love. Um, <laughs> so I got really excited when I saw him. Um, oh yeah, I promised you we would have um, weed and trivia. Yay! And weed and trivia for you. Yeah. <laughs> so when um, what we were talking about before, when Laura Rosalind goes to the doctors and finds out she has cancer, the ship from Firefly can be seen landing through the main no, windows in the background. That's so yeah. cool. So there's a heap. There's like the series is littered with sci-fi references, and that's a lot of them so you have awesome. to kind of find. But um, yeah, apparently, um, Whedon is a fan of Battlestar Galactica, and oh. obviously the feeling is mutual. So, oh, that's so cool! Yeah, rewatch for some Firefly oh, trivia. Oh, I'll have to watch it again. I'm so scared to look up trivia on the internet because I'm just True. sure that I'm going to learn everything that I don't want to know. So I'm relying yes. on you for my trivia. <laughs> um, but that's very cool. I'm a massive um, Firefly fan, so very Ooh. great. Hmm. Cool. Um, and so that's most of the characters. One um, more. Oh, one more. Who have we one missed? One more character, kind of forgettable, to be honest. Let's be real. Captain <laughs> Lee Apollo Adama. Oh, yeah. Um, he's Adama's son. Um, you know, William Adama's son. He's the Galactica Air Group CAG. Um, he's the commander, eventually, of... Well, let's forget about that. I'll just put something in that won't happen for a few seasons. So ignore that comment. Cool. Um, <laughs> he, he's kind of a dick. Um, he's yeah. also the poor man's Tom Cruise. Ah, um, interesting. Is well, he very short as well? He is very short. And I love, like, when him and Starbuck, like, stand next to each other and she just is, like all like looking down on him and Can like I so much say, more though, like boss than he is. It's interesting because obviously Starbuck had a thing with his brother, but there yeah. is so much chemistry between those two characters. Yeah. And yeah, I was right. watching it and like obviously don't know what's happening or whatever, but usually when something like that happens between two characters, people work with that in some way Mm -hmm. so I'm interested Mm -hmm. to see if anything goes with that but when they would especially um after you know she thinks he's dead and whatnot the chemistry when they're talking is just like amazing and I was watching it through the screen I'm like oh what's gonna happen like these guys together are fantastic so yes 
Um, yeah. I did love that. I didn't hate Apollo. Um, okay, that's good. I yeah. kind of hated him until the end of the miniseries. Like the I, first episode, I was like, oh, you're a douchebag. No, but then by I, the end, I was like, oh, you're okay. I thought that he was pretty good. I thought that the way that he respected um, um, the president, mm. um, I thought that was really great. And whether, I mean, reflection, maybe he was just trying to piss off his dad. But like, I think that <laughs> the way that he sort of respected her and, and you know, when... Um, when she uh, made the order, even though he disagreed with it, he went to make it work, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that um, I really like that part, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think, like, by the end, and probably because of that move, like, with the president, mm. I respected him more, but definitely at the beginning, I just thought he was, like, kind of a dick. And I think it's, like, the short man syndrome thing. Like, apparently he's only, like, 0.5 centimeters, is that correct? Um, that's our producer Tom handing us all the trivia <laughs> um, about the um, he's yeah like zero point five centimeters taller than Tom Cruise. So, ah, I see. You know. Okay, cool. But Shot they didn't different. dig a ditch for Starbuck. Did you know that in Top Gun they dug a ditch for Tom Cruise's love interest so no. he could kiss her and not be like that's hilarious. Up. Yeah, um, no ditch for Starbuck. Yeah. <laughs> so th- we've come a long way. <laughs> we've come a long way. Um, cool. Yeah. Should we move through the rest of the yeah, first sets. episode? Yeah. I mean, look, there's not that much more that happens in the first episode because they spend so much time telling you who everyone is and the fact that hey the Battlestar Galactica is going to be a museum hey the um this lady who's the education secretary oh that's Laura, Laura Roslin mm. she's going to do the like little speech and you know everyone's in the same place it's all real nice and then silence start blowing everything up um at this point Laura Roslin's actually on like the um civilian plane back to Caprica mm. which gets stopped um so she's en route when when Caprica's um bombed the Battlestar is like about to be kind of non-functioning, but is still functioning. So they're able to, you know, get up and going. And then back on um, Caprica, Bolter is there with Six and there's a giant explosion. And we think that um, he's kind of done for, but Six stands in front of him. Yep. And it's kind, it's kind of insinuated that like, cause she's a Cylon or whatever, Bomb didn't, I felt like that was very hand wavy. I thought that he should definitely have been dead at the end of the first episode of the miniseries, but as you probably see a lot with Bolter, there's this like divine intervention slash Cylon intervention slash yeah. what's actually, he has an enormous amount of luck. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> she, um, uh, she says stand behind me Yeah. Um, as the bomb hits and, um, and then obviously on the plane, uh, you know, you have an enormous capacity for um, survival or something along the mm. lines of that. I don't remember exactly what she said, but mm. um, yeah. And then obviously, um, you know, you have the swearing in of Rosalind. Yes, which I loved. I loved mm. that. Like, because they it kind of, repl- they said they drew from the um, the vi- the visuals of um, LBJ being sworn in and mm-hmm. after Kennedy's assassination. Yeah. And you kind of see that with the framing. I, I thought that was really cool. That's um, very cool. But yeah, she was, she's sworn in even though she's 30, 43rd in line of succession. Um, and then the cabinet department starship carrying her, which is renamed Colonial One, mm. um, manages to kind of pull together a group of surviving human ships or civilian ships that were near or um, around the planets. Um, Caprica and the nearby planets Mm. and then the final kind of beat is that um, one of the colonial raptors so the fighter um, jets from Galactica lands briefly for repairs on the 12 colonies um, capital world of Caprica Um, and that colonial raptor um, crew which is Boomer and Hilo um, decide to try and get a few of the people off Caprica while they're there to evacuate them Um, and Bolter is in that group so even though Bolter, they have this little raffle thing, you know, to make it fair, and his name isn't um, chosen. Almost, almost thinks about this moment taking where he, this yeah. woman's thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. So he he is recognised by Hilo, and Hilo gives up his seat to evacuate Bolter yeah. um, because he recognises him as kind of a celebrity or a recognisable figure. Yeah, we'll yeah. meet him more than me kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know it's nice yeah i mean unless you know him <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah so yeah look the first half we're pretty much introduced to the main characters as they prepare for you know decommissioning the battle star then the silent attack happens there's a little bit of history around the battle star um and the, and the characters um and then we kind but, of have this yeah. false sort of cliffhanger which yes. just to me like as a first watcher seemed um very very obvious um 
maybe I've just watched too many TV series before with cliffhangers, but the fact that we didn't see, you know, Apollo and, and Rosalind kind of go down, um, it was pretty obvious to me that they weren't dead. But mm-hmm. um, you sort of leave on that point where Adama thinks that his, um, you know, son, his other son has died. They haven't been able um, to make the jump. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's sort of the end of episode one, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, so um, that's the end of episode one. Um, what did you think, just quickly, of that episode? Um, I really loved it. I really loved that they spent a lot of time on the character work, even if it was a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to watch the next one immediately, but unfortunately <laughs> it was getting pretty late by then, so I sort of waited a couple of days for the next one. But yeah, yeah. I mean, especially looking back now that I watched episode two, I think most of it was really setting up mm-hmm. the um, the next episode. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to do the heavy lifting of all the characters. Um, there still is a little bit of it, but mm. it's not as like, this is blah, blah, this is blah, blah. Yeah, I think it often happens in two-part mm. episodes of TV series or two-part whatevers. I think that the first one is often the heavy lifting mm-hmm. and the second one is often, you know, the action. Yeah, totally. Once you sort of understand who everybody is and what everything is so yeah um yeah but we open the second one just where we left off on the first mm-hmm. yeah yeah um yeah we open right away the ships um roslyn was with all these other um ships um t- who aren't able to make the faster than light jump or the ftl jumps as they refer to them um in the kind of jargon of the show um so adama has basically said we've got to all meet at ragnar anchorage interesting uh norse mythology i'm a massive mythology nerd <laughs> and um ragnarok in norse mythology is kind of like the end of the world where everything goes to shit interesting so i found it interesting that like it's already been the end of the world mm. <laughs> everything's already gone to shit and then they're meeting at this anchorage which is kind of the, the end of their civilization yeah which i yeah I, that was cool nerd alert yeah um I think our so <laughs> collective nerdiness covers almost everything, so oh, yeah. that's great. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that all of their um, planets are named after um, star signs Look, from Greek and Roman mythology. I did not. But I was excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they um, – yeah, so they're all supposed to be immediate Ragnar Anchorage. Adama had previously said to Rosalind, like, you're just going to have to kind of suck it up, leave some of these people and, you know, save yourself. Mm. Um, and she's like, oh, no, 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 we're going to work it out. But as we see at the very beginning of this, she's actually forced to abandon many of the survivors as Mm. only the ships that are capable of FTL jumps can actually um, escape the Cylon attack and get to the anchorage. Yeah, but that's quite sudden, isn't it? So I think the first thing at the beginning of the episode is we need to go and like find whatever survivors we have. So they Mm -hmm. pick up Boomer, um, go use your ship to go find survivors. And so that's what she does. She's kind of going and grabbing people. Yeah, I I thought that was um, really great. Um, I thought... um, so turning on my like feminist international relations lens um i found all of this stuff really interesting so the idea of whether we fight um whether we save refugees Mm -hmm. particularly given some of the recent political decisions Mm -hmm. that have been made around you know beautiful babies and refugees um and also um i mean i thought that the little girl was such an amazing um i guess personification of the idea of um who war is for um and so there's an idea in kind of feminist international relations theory that is about like who war protects and Mm -hmm. and the idea is that actually for i guess women and children for everybody really um war is actually endangers more people than it protects um and so i really loved and i love that it was a female character and a male character because it made it very easy to distinguish you know which argument was which but this idea of we need to fight versus we need to save the 50,000 people we have mm-hmm. and protect ourselves. And I thought that the little girl was such a great personification of this idea um, because, you know, she's this innocent and she's caught in the middle of this and she just wants to go have like her chicken pie and yeah. read a bedtime story by her dad. And obviously um, Rosalind makes the very difficult decision um, that she'd rather save more than... Mm more than um you know try to save everybody and um and that's one of the ships that's left behind and i thought that that was such a great um you know picture of who suffers from war mm-hmm. the most um and i love i loved her line to adama when he's like we're fighting a war and she's like no we've lost the war absolutely the war's over now we just need to like protect the people we have mm. and have babies basically yeah and you kind of see adama like go through actualizing that in mm. the episode to being like okay I don't necessarily agree with her opinion, but it is the right one and the one that gives us the most longevity. Yeah, rather absolutely. Rather than just responding. Yeah, and this kind of idea of like needing to win um, versus needing to stay alive. It's funny, I did like a really interesting um, exercise in one of my international relations classes once, which was 
uh, kind of a, it's a random segue, but we got given a piece of paper and it said, um, you know, uh, you have, you get given a card. Um, if you lose your card, you're, you know, you're out of the game. Um, if somebody challenges you to a fight, you have to fight. And I think that that were the, that were the main instructions. Um, and that was all we were given. And so I kind of went in, I was a bit late to class. I got my card. I fought with someone. I lost my card. I got another card. There was a limited amount of cards. Um, and then I looked at the instructions again and I went, hold on a minute. And I just went and sat in the corner and hid my card and stayed on my phone. And everybody else was sort of playing to get the most cards. Um, and at the end of the game, there was like one person with three cards, one person with like all the other cards and then me. And we all won. Hmm. <laughs> so we survived. Um, and it was just this kind of idea of like, you know, uh, the way that we construct norms. And this is sort of the mm. same thing of like, he's like trying to get more cards. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter so long as you have one. And if the human yeah. race survives, yeah. that's how it is. If so, that's your best shot, yeah. it might just be your only shot. Yeah, absolutely. And that was a really great exercise in kind of showing how that works. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Well, that all happened. <laughs> There's like that whole side of the episode. So basically half of the, that episode of the miniseries was like Rosalind dealing with having to basically be a president of a, um, a society that, you know, is in crisis. Mm. Um, they're being hunted. Uh, she doesn't understand all the technology, terminology, how to govern per se. But she's But amazing. she gives it a red hot go. She does. Um, and I love her for that. I love Very Rosalind. forceful. I really love yeah. that. You know, all these men telling her... And it doesn't matter that they meant all these people telling her that she doesn't know better and that they need mm-hmm. to be in control of this. Mm-hmm. And, and she's just like, nope, this is what I think. This is what's happening. I'm the president. This is what's, yeah, this is what's exactly. what. Yeah. Um, so that while that's going on, um, the Battlestar Galactica do land on Ragnar. And there's this kind of weird, sketchy guy um, who's just like, oh, I'm just an arms dealer who is here to like bootleg supplies. And everyone's kind of like, maybe, but they still <laughs> immediately like, you know, capture him and um, have him, you know, unarmed, mm. um, which Tyrrell, you know, does with pretty good um thinking I think Mm. so then he's showing um Adama and the group around and there's like this radiation cloud I think they have like a line about it earlier in the episode there's a radiation cloud surrounding Ragnar which means that um it's it's more difficult for Cylons to see and detect the ship which is why they all wanted to be there Mm. but it's also um the radiation cloud is something that won't affect humans but it will affect Cylons so this guy this arms dealer is acting really weird and keep in mind at this point we know or we are pretty sure that number six the um blonde is a Cylon because we've seen two different versions of her Mm. on the original space station but she says she is doesn't she yeah yeah Yeah, Um, so we know she is so we know that but they don't look like humans other than Bolter yeah no one knows yeah so Adama's like you know noticing that this guy is super weird um they go off they get like shut in this um there's like a blast and they get shut in this kind of uh, vault together mm. and then the guy's like oh I'll show you out I've got it it's all a super horror movie sketchy yeah. but Adama is like most of the time pretty clever and it's like you go in front um, you know I don't trust you Yeah. and then of course he lets the guy go behind him for no other reason than the guy's like you go in front because well, you don't trust me well the guy called it out he yeah. was like yeah your military training tells you X um, and I think he that he's just, bluff. yeah, absolutely. And so I think that, um, I, I guess that at that point he just maybe has figured it out and knows that he has the upper hand because of this yeah. cloud. I don't know. That's not yeah. clear. It's, What's kind of weird clear. to me is that like, if that's the case that this cloud exists sort of around that whole area, I'm not entirely sure why they're wanting to leave so soon because when Rosalind yeah. gets back on board, they're like, Gotta go we leave and then we're going to leave. Yeah, um, which is really oh, strange to me. It's because there's this part where you know when he's talking about. Um, so Adama's talking to this guy who's super sketchy. Then the guy turns like at one point goes to like get him and he gets him in the chokehold and it's all like going south. Mm. And he's talking to Adama about it's either then or it's like the next scene. He says like when I if you kill me I'll just be reborn. No, on my but I ship think that he realizes that that's not the case. Oh. So he's like, that's not the case, or you would have left oh, already. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, so right. I don't yeah, know right. why it is, but like up. even I think even before we realize that guy's a Cylon, I think that the kind of indication was when she arrives on board, we gotta go. Rosalind, yeah, says, they're just getting supplies yeah. and they're going. Yeah, which is yeah. really weird because if there's a kind of inbuilt Cylon defense, it seems strange that they would uh-huh. move away from there. Um, but anyway, I guess obviously um, it's show logic. Yeah, <laughs> the show, the show logic um, yeah. said that the mini 
miniseries was only going to be two hours long. Yeah. And then they needed a propulsive, like, yeah. you know, first We said this podcast would be one hour long, and I don't know if that's going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, people we, make we mistakes. Time. Hey, that's yeah. okay. Time is a thing. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've been time going is a, a flat while. circle. That's fine. I think I'll be covering a whole miniseries, and, you know, training wheels so exactly two hours whatever forward. two hours is fine um <laughs> so yes anyway for whatever reason um adama lets the guy go in front of him and then for whatever reason that well we know the guy kind of tries to kill him because like why wouldn't you mm. but then he doesn't succeed um you know adama adama escapes and then he basically um tells saul and um one other person not tyrell I think he tells the president and Saul, doesn't he, that there are um, Cylons that look like humans. And Gaius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bolter. Sorry, Bolton, I think we're yeah. calling him by a different name. Nah. Uh, yeah. Gaius Bolter. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he tells him, which is yes. good, because in the previous scene we see him kind of grappling with this idea of how do I tell them that I know that they look like people. Yeah, he gets a bit of a like um, lucky break because this yeah. other Cylon just makes himself known. Mm. So, yeah, so Adama tells um, his kind of nearest and um trusted that this is going on yeah um and then Rosalind appoints uh Bolter who obviously hasn't said anything about the fact that he basically helped all this Cylon um takeover happen mm. um as one of her senior advisors and then leading from that Adama and um Sultai make him their kind of scientific advisor yeah um I mean I think Rosalind did that back in episode oh, yeah. one yeah. but yeah absolutely he's kind of brought on board as a guy to sort of fix this and he's immediately like, given a lot yeah. of responsibility and while this is all happening number six is kind of appearing to him in hallucinations Mm. got there um and kind of attempting to direct his behavior so Mm. she will say things that make him question how other people respond to him um or how he's being perceived but also she gives this um kind of sneaky aside that she may have planted a microchip inside his brain while he slept and so her image is being transmitted into his conscious mind even if no one else can see her yeah that was really interesting because what he said is like that's my paranoid mind thinking whatever and I'm like oh god but both are so possible yeah yeah Um, and like if you've got a paranoid mind like you make something that seems unbelievable believable so it's like that in itself is but then you know obviously still feeding him information so you know the fact Mm -hmm. that she points out Mm. the cylon Mm -hmm. technology in the place yes i mean she gets him some runs on the board that he wouldn't have got otherwise which i think is what's been happening for a while i doubt his genius yeah personally but um maybe it's just because i don't like him Um, we also haven't really seen any proof of it no not at all he's just like sounds british and like you know is charming in a again short guy syndrome Mm -hmm. like you know all the ladies and whatnot yeah oh you look very lovely today to the interviewer Mm -hmm. in the beginning scene it's just very like you know this kind of thing anyway um uh moving moving forward quickly because we are taking up a lot of time (laughs) (laughs) yes moving forward he identifies Aaron Dorrell who's this public relations specialist who has we've seen him from the beginning he was giving the tour on the Battlestar um you know he is kind of questioning of um Apollo in the first episode of the miniseries but Mm. he's not really like a major player no but watching it again you can see how much he's always trying to throw doubt into every situation you know he tried to undermine the president yeah um when they wanted to make the jump uh sorry when they wanted to yeah make the jump um he was the one who was naysaying Mm -hmm. being like oh but there's so many people Mm -hmm. we should just take a few moments um so watching again you're like oh i can see oh yeah good call yeah (laughs) yeah and interestingly even though bolter has no uh proof that he's a cylon other than six telling him he's a cylon Mm. or kind of being like maybe he is everyone just believes him because he says he has a cylon test and they're like cool we're gonna leave him there yeah they leave him in the anchorage and the the galactica departs once they've met up with the president and they've been able to make the ftl jump Mm. so that's really interesting because Again, like we don't necessarily trust Bolter because we know that he's a shady dude and we've seen his. Past. Yeah, I definitely wasn't sure if. I mean, she didn't say that he was a Cylon. Um, that was actually like Bolter's decision that he made. And yeah. I really doubted it until obviously later in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there is this idea a lot of the times when you see these sci fi series where it is sort of like end of the world, last people alive, that it is ruthless. Like yeah. the hundred yeah. is like that. Like you make one yeah. criminal mistake and they, I, I can't remember, they float you. So they mm-hmm. just put you out in space. It's like we have so few resources mm-hmm. and we are in such a, you know, a, a, a precarious position that if you make one mistake, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a similar thing here. It's yeah. Like, there's we're no not 
taking time. the risk. Yeah. There's no time. You know, if we sacrifice one person, we sacrifice one person. Exactly. But obviously, you know, in the end, we find out that that is the right choice. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. Um, so they leave him and we're kind of like not sure if he, what's the deal with him. But after they all leave, he's left with the... Um, the shady you know Cylon guy mm. and as the Cylons like they attack Ragnar as the fleet jumps um, and after they show up the Cylons which we see are number six who have seen before mm. the blonde um, the copies of the guy who was the arms dealer and the guy who was left the PR mm. specialist and then shock horror we see a copy of Boomer. I know I was so <laughs> surprised and you know I had been scribbling down people who I thought it might be um, all at the end of the episode, I was like, I was trying to work out. I was like, I'm sure there's someone. I'm sure there's someone. And I love there's how Adama even says that. Like, mm. he's like, everyone's going to, or maybe it's Ty. He's like, everyone's going to be pointing at their neighbor saying they're asylum. Absolutely. And I'm like, maybe it's the kid. Like, he looks like he could be pretty shifty. You know, he kind of looks like a bit, you know, whatever. And I was writing down all these names of who it could be. And, and I was so surprised. I did not even consider that it would be Boomer. So mm. it was actually a genuine, like, twist at the end, which I really, awesome. really loved. Um, so yeah, a really great ending, I think. And it makes me really excited for the, um, yeah, it sets for it the up. series. Um, and then also obviously that, um, conversation between, um, the president, uh, president mm-hmm. Roslyn and Adama about the fact that she wants to be the president and he wants to be in control of security. Um, but then also the really mysterious note saying that there are 12, yes, good um, call. which we can only assume is from Bolter. Cause I mean, I can't imagine, um, and obviously, like, it's indicated that um, some of the Cylons don't know who they are. So yeah, they're not. are led to believe that oh. Boomer doesn't know she's a Cylon. Yeah. Yeah, she's like a sleeper agent, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like, so that's even more creepy. Yeah. She doesn't even know. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing that um, was at the end of the episode is that conversation between um, Ty and um, Starbuck. Um, where he sort of goes to, oh, we completely missed the whole crazy, amazing Starbuck pilot thing where she oh, says yes, Apollo. Oh, yes, you can talk all about that. Which is awesome, you know, this crazy move. Um, and then Ty sort of comes in to say, you know, well done. And she sort of very ungraciously just tells him that she hates him, which, I mean, I understand, um, but still didn't really seem very necessary at the mm-hmm. time. Although obviously what she said rang true because he kind of goes back and throws away his booze and mm. whatnot. Mm. Um, but I thought they were really weirdly close together. Yeah. Like really weirdly close together. It made me so uncomfortable. And yeah. I was like, what You were like, are they going to like make out? I'm a bit worried. I'm like so concerned. Yeah about the closeness of them it's not normal people don't sound that close together and I think sometimes that happens um, yeah the blocking of that scene was not done no. for like a wide shot like yeah. it should have been like if they were like if you we couldn't see how close they were standing from the wide perspective I think it would have been fine but because there were so many shots of it like being being able to see their whole profile you're, you're like, like they're very close for no reason absolutely <laughs> I think um in one of the um early Buffy sort of um uh, commentary things um, they had a scene like that with Giles and Buffy where they were weirdly close and then when they watched it they were like oh no we can't do that and then they sort of never did it again but I think sometimes these things can just happen and you don't realise but I was watching it and I was like oh I mean it's small quarters but they're like right next to yeah. each other yeah really weird um, but really yeah. weird scene as well like I just I didn't really understand Starbucks motivations for just being a dick like he was trying yeah. to reach out an olive branch and I think that was an interesting part of um of her character and yeah Mm. but the kind of saving Apollo thing battle like Mm. we've spoken all about character development and failed to like mention the massive battle in between all of that but Um, characters (laughs) but characters well I mean this is what this is really about right so the miniseries is obviously really focused on that so uh, obviously we're going to reflect that but Mm -hmm. um, Starbucks a badass pilot is what we've learned saved Apollo's ass yes yeah we know that what I think is interesting, and we're kind of, I guess we're going to get into more discussion now, mm. um, but I, uh, Starbucks is a good place to start because, you know, so much of the commentary around this show is that Starbucks is this awesome um, female badass, which I agree that she is. Mm. But I also think that there was such a shortage of strong female characters on TV at that time that everyone was, like, thirsty. Mm. And then I also feel like Starbucks character is great, but she's kind of just, like, the anti-hero from, like, Breaking Bad or like um But it is quite you nice know, to like, have to be a woman for once. Yeah, I think the anti-hero absolutely. is always like, you know, Han Solo or yeah, and, someone yeah. like that. It, but you know, is, but Firefly do you Malcolm think, Reynolds. Do you yeah. reckon that's the that's why she's so popular? Because she fits that model that like 
is well tread mm. in TV of like a main character who's kind of problematic but a boss and they're very capable and we we like them we love them even if we don't always like them mm. whereas like Boomer or Six or Roslyn like none of them really have that fan like the kind of love people seem to have for Starbuck and I just wonder if that's because she fits a character mold that the other characters don't fit yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, like, I mean, Rosalind is also kind of an anti-hero in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, we find out that she... Yeah, she kills, like, thousands of people. Yeah, but it's not even like... that. I mean, that's a decision that people make in war all the time and that is always, you know, celebrated in a weird way. Um, and we can talk about, you know... I'm sure that over the course of this podcast, there will be a lot of talk about war and masculinity, but I think that she does have that anti-hero vibe with the um, kind of uh, admitting that she's got Hmm. cancer and Mm -hmm. she's you know she's allowed to have that moment yeah absolutely but yeah i think there is a thing and i think that it is nice to see a female anti-hero i think that quite often and i mean this is um uh this is not often the case we've always got this kind of shiny women who are kind of perfect and and they're um and they're the ones who who are our heroes and and that Mm. sort of fits the model of what women should be and I think Mm -hmm. I know a lot of women who are always striving for perfection because that's sort of what women are this is why I love season six of Buffy when it's really dark and she's really like angsty um and that's sort of the female hero that I like Mm -hmm. so I think that probably is and probably why I liked her Mm. um because men seem to be given the opportunity to be that person but women don't Mm -hmm. get given that opportunity Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like it's like you know the, the Hillary Clinton situation she can't be um she has to be perfect at everything yeah. but then she's also you know it's bad that she's that as well and i'm not saying i'm a hillary fan or not a hillary fan but i think that we can agree that um she definitely was held to a level of perfection that um men often aren't so mm-hmm. yeah no i totally agree mm. and i i think that um Rosalind as a character is interesting because you know there have been actually so few female presidents mm. in pop culture and um, not in real life i mean not yeah. america yeah anyway. no exactly um trump's america mm-hmm. um but what they do with roslyn is like they let her go through all the nuances that someone who is you know woefully unprepared on paper to mm. be a president to be able to go through those challenges and come out and be respected mm. regardless of her gender. I think the only way, the only times her gender is kind of really hammered in is how other people react to her and respond to her, which is true of real life experiences Absolutely. as a woman. But she really steps up. Um, obviously, great personal trauma for her. It's mm-hmm. made very clear that she wasn't really wanting to be in politics. She was very close with the people who yeah. were the presidents and the vice presidents and all of that. So it's very, she's obviously going through a very hard time, but mm-hmm. I think that the way she steps up is amazing. Um, and that, as I said, is why I liked Apollo. I liked the mm-hmm. way that he responded to her and accepted her authority. The pilots on the plane as well mm-hmm. accepted her authority. I don't know if it's necessarily the case that, um, you know, when um, uh, Colonel Ty is kind of disrespectful that he's doing it because she's a woman. I think the yeah. comment is made is that she's unqualified more yeah. than a woman. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think it's good that they don't really bring gender into it um, all that much. Um, I think we should probably wrap up soon because we've yeah. been talking for a while, but I want to say one more thing about the end of the episode. So obviously they have this big funeral um, and they've got their religion, which is different from anything. Um, I loved Adama's speech on hope and I love the lie that yeah. there is this place. And that we know, like at the time we're like, oh, maybe it's real. And then he like immediately goes over to the president or she comes to him and he's like, made that up. Yeah. But it's that... It's the like idea that hope you, exactly yeah. an idea can persist yeah and i think that hope is important and i think that i, I just love that he had that insight into people mm-hmm. that um that hope was important and um and that he was happy to live with that lie if he thought that it would keep people holding on and i think that that was just a beautiful mm. ending message so say we all <laughs> do you know he ad-libbed that line wow and then it became like a total thing really mm-hmm. that's yeah. amazing yeah oh so i love great. the trivia yeah, yeah. so good <laughs> no i love that scene as well and i think um for a show that definitely f- works hard to be gritty and realistic and for a sci-fi show I think sci-fi as a genre has to work hard inverted commas to get people to look past the robots and the space and the FTL jump terminology to see the human story (laughs) and when you have great characters and great dialogue like Mm. people characters like Adama who 
you can see how that situation would play out in your real life or characters like that it makes you you know you empathize with those characters irregardless of all the like crazy you know shit going on around them i think that's the problem with sci-fi like i think people look at it um in that you know and obviously like i was sorry i almost interrupted you but i was saying that um when the special effects are bad, it's easy to look past them. Mm-hmm. But I think that people get caught up in that element of it, the special effects and whatnot. But I think the story is always more important. I think the character development um, in a lot of these, a lot of great sci-fi series is very underrated often, mm-hmm. as is the acting, as mm-hmm. is everything. And so I'm really excited to see sort of how that plays out. Sort of love TV series um, for this reason is that you get so much time with people and you get to see them go through so many challenges. And yeah, I'm excited to see how they go. Yes. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our first episode. It certainly does. So you can join us next time. We will usually only cover one episode um, per podcast episode. Um, and we will be starting with season one, episode one, which is called 33. So we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye.